and I want to automate more of my phone so that I have to use my phone less. <laughs> that makes any sense. I like using my phone, but I want to automate it so I use it less. Hello and welcome back to The Q, the name is still pending with your host, me, Quinn, or O'Nerd, by now you should know me, uh, episode 13 of the show. We are here, this is the second week in a row, well, of this month, um, technically I think it's the fourth week in a row of uploads, but it is for you guys the 11th, uh, Columbus Day if I'm not mistaken, so wherever you're at, if you have the day off, hello, same for me as well. Um, but I'm actually recording this on the Friday before. So, you know, end of the week for me, going into a long extended weekend, that'll be nice. Um, but we're here today to talk about something a little bit different than um, vacations, I guess. Um, so originally I had planned for this episode to be um, Google ad settings. Um, don't really know exactly why, um, but, I, you know, I was just doing some due diligence on Google recently. Um, YouTube was updating their policy. Well, Google itself is updating its policy on everybody has to have two-factor authentication by the end of this month, if I'm not mistaken. So I was just researching what Google was doing, uh, their current products that they have out there, um, their Googleverse, their suite of goods. Um, and I noticed that there was an option for uh, ad settings. So, you know, I just was like, well, I wonder what that is. Because I know by default, Google has um, personalized ads, which most things do. So don't be alarmed by that. That's a uh, common practice. Um, it allows the platform, uh, think Google as an entity, such as Chrome, any of your browsing history, um, or even the search engine itself, will use personalized ads to better suit your search preferences. So like if you search uh, cooking, it knows that you like uh, steakhouses. Like if you're searching restaurants, it knows you like steakhouses more than you like sushi. So it'll find better and higher rated um, steakhouses and put them on the top of the search results. Um, other good things that it can do is things like ads that you see on Facebook or uh, on YouTube will be a lot more personalized, which seems kind of uh, creepy, like they're watching you, because technically they are, and they are legally allowed to because you signed the waiver saying you don't care, so that's on you, um, so don't be angry that they do that, um, just don't support their practices, you can do that. Uh, well, not Facebook, they don't let you opt out of it, but Google does a pretty good job of allowing you to not, um, you know, your AdSense your ad settings, you can depersonalize them so it's very anonymous, random. They don't uh, hold the data that they get from you and then resell it. They just hold it internally. So any um, Google app that you use, um, meaning anything owned by Google, which right now isn't really any social medias besides YouTube, but all of those can share that information, um, but they can't sell it out for uh, a premium with your name attached to it. Um, but there are ways around it, of course. Um, I don't know all of the legality or all of the technical ways that they do it. They keep that all in-house, pretty well-kept secret for obvious reasons. Um, but anyways, you can, in uh, YouTube and you know things like that, you can um, have personalized ads, which are a good thing for the most part. You'll get, um, like, if you're researching a lot about coffee uh, that week, you may notice a lot more ads for coffee grinders, coffee companies, um, 
Starbucks, uh, things like that. They will pay uh, a premium to put ads in front of you and are trying to get your, um, your money, which I mean, that was the whole point of why you were shopping to begin with. So you can use that to your advantage. Um, for the most part, ads these days, especially what Google serves through their Google uh, ad, um, I don't know what they call it, um, it's an ad service, but I don't remember what the name of it is, um, they do a really good job of vetting who, you know, people obviously, the more money you have, um, the better your odds are to get higher rating and things like that, but Google does a pretty good job of actually sending you high quality things, um, so they don't just serve you trash you're searching for trash um <laughs> so uh i was looking into that and seeing um, all the personalization settings that you can do and i went through i have two youtube channels which you all know of um main channels per se i mean i have like let's discuss i have the melee dump i have this which is a podcast which is on youtube yet um, but my main vlog channel and my main gaming channel um, i looked through both of those they're uh the settings um, they're actually pretty accurate they got a lot of places that i do shop at um, they have a lot of um, keywords from things that I've been researching recently. Um, and then a couple of random things that aren't necessarily like they're tangential to what I uh, was looking at. Like flowers isn't something that I Googled. I don't Google anything. I use DuckDuckGo as my search engine. Um, on mobile, I actually use that as my browser as well. But on desktop, and I do have it on my phone, um, I use Brave Browser. Um, with the DuckDuckGo search engine, um, so it's all private and anonymized. I mean, it's not private. I mean, it is, but it isn't. You're not. Your name's not attached to it, um, and they don't sell your data. So I use them, but YouTube is a Google product, so they are legally allowed to use my information as they feel fit. Um, which, whatever, they can make some money off of me. That's fine. I'm okay with that. That's a fair trade for me. But I looked up things like gardening and hiking and outdoor stuff. So flowers kind of fit in that frame um, and also like landscaping. So flowers do fit in that. So it makes sense that that's one of the key things that I um, would hit. And this is this is my uh, gaming channel, my main channel. This is what I use, what I've always consumed YouTube videos on. Um, so I've had that since, what, 2014, I think, is when the uh, account was created. So what, seven years, eight, yeah, about almost eight years of information for them to gather. Um, so it's got a pretty extensive list of stuff and it's narrowed down things like it has, um, things that are turned off are like mobile games, parenting things, um, school stuff because it knows I'm no longer in school, um, and other things like pets and children, um, things like that. Those are all disabled, so it knows that... I don't like those things. It's noticed that I've never interacted with them ever. Um, so it does a pretty good job of having uh, targeted ads, per se. Um, and then my other other account, um, the vlogging one, I've only really had for two years, and I've watched very little on it. Um, just times when I forget that I was on my not on my main account. <laughs> and it saw it's pretty accurate stuff for what I'm actually like consuming. So originally, that was the idea for the entire episode. But then I was like, that's really only going to fill like six minutes of time, which uh, I mean, it's seven minutes now. But um, <clears throat> I didn't think it was going to take a long time to go through that. And I didn't really have any strong opinions on if they should be or shouldn't be doing that. Because at the end of the day, um, as long as they do it correctly, which I think Google does, um, it's fine. But I don't like the way that Facebook does it. Facebook uses it um, for political reasons. Um, Google used to. What was it? Three or four years ago. Well, sorry. 
when Obama was going, so that was 2008, that's more than a few years ago, um, a lot of the politics um, around that election was all over YouTube ads, and it was uh, miserable. Um, but this last election wasn't near as bad, which I am not sure if that was because of my preferences. Um, I didn't want that, so, you know, the political ad campaigns were not targeting me. Um, so, again, that's a good, helpful thing that Google does is they really prioritize the things that you do pay attention to. So if politics, slandering ads are not something you pay attention to, they don't give them to you. Um, they don't necessarily, they haven't stopped doing that practice, but they haven't served them to me, which is awesome. But Facebook is just highest dollar goes to whoever, everybody. There's not really a good algorithm because they don't have that um, technology, which Google and YouTube do. They have insanely good high-tech algorithms out there for um, media consumption, which is, that's a little scary on its own, but that's a topic for another day when I do some more research on it. Um, so what am I going to do in this episode now that I've finished my only topic? You might be asking me, um, but I will tell you, first of all, um, number one on the list uh, the Battlefield 2042 open beta is this weekend. Uh, by the time that you hear this, it'll be over. So if you got in, uh, it's on Steam. Um, congratulations, you did it. Um, you don't actually have to pre-order the game to be in the open beta, but you may have to pre-order it for any uh, following things until it comes out. And it's like $60 on Steam. Um, depending on how it goes this weekend, I'll probably play tonight and a little bit tomorrow. Um, and I'll see if I like it. I've heard good things about it. Um, so I'll check it out. I'm not a huge fan of the Battlefield style. I like the big battle-esque and large-scale um, battles. Didn't care about the story, um, but it was a slower-paced game, so it's kind of give and take for me. Um, if, I have, if I have a squad of people, I do enjoy it. Like, we played a lot of Battlefield 1 and Battlefield 4 as a squad back in the day, and that was a lot of fun. So um, I'm assuming Battlefield 42 will be the same. So I'll let you know how that goes. Um in the following week's podcast. Um, what is that, the 18th, I think? Yeah, 16th? I don't remember. I think it's the 16th or the 18th, whatever that is. Um, <clears throat> I'll talk about it probably then. Um, other things on the list, um, you know, 80 hours into Rome World right now. Um, my colony just died. I'll tell you about that. If you care, if you don't care, skip to about a minute. It's a pretty short story. This is the same thing as like telling D&D campaign stories. Um, <laughs> But I had a group of, uh, you know, pawns, as they are, colonists, um, that were going to be uh, researchers. And I decided, you know what, let's make this really difficult. So I chose Randy Random, hardest possible difficulty, I don't remember what it was, commitment mode, so you can't save and reload. Um, I had six guys, it was a prepare carefully settings, so I did, like, custom build how it was going to land, because I had a narrative in mind. It was a group of six researchers, all of them were maxed out on intelligence stats, so things like social um and melee were like negative that you didn't they didn't have any passion in it and they were at zero so they were gonna suck at doing that um but things like uh you know obviously the research intelligence straight up um animal handling growing um shooting because they used high-tech weaponry they uh, i made sure they weren't allowed to use anything lower tech than whatever the charge weapons were so they can only use charge weapons um, and whatever the high-tech EMP grenades are. Um, and they couldn't use any like primitive material of any kind. Um, and they couldn't do other things like that. Um, they were really good at tailoring, but only like a couple items. I didn't just let them build whatever they wanted. They could only build like certain things. Um, 
So all of their intelligence stats were maxed out. And then I have another mod, it's uh, miscellaneous robots or something like that. So that do all of the main tasks, hauling things, crafting things, uh, mining things, constructing things, growing things, and cleaning things. Um, all of those were covered by the robots, three of each kind of robot. Um, and so the, the, basically the robots just did the jobs like the menial labor <laughs> and then all the researchers did was you know grow grow the crops and tend to the animals and sit in the research uh room and that's all they did so i mean it was a, i have a solid like 10 to 12 hours in that colony by the time it ended but there wasn't really any major stories you know i landed at uh, the arctic um near a frozen lake it was like half frozen lake um a third open land and a third um not open land it was just like a ginormous rock section um so they landed next to the rock section built into the rocks um and that's where they built their research base was inside the mountain because why not um had all the normal amenities you would have things like separate bedrooms um, a main sitting area um, guest room because there is that mechanic so slowly getting passive income and having those guys come through there and the researchers um like exchanging goods with them um, as a sort of, uh, yeah, I don't know exactly what you call it, um, researching the uh, local tribes and things like that. Um, and of course, guarding from raids and all that nonsense. Uh, but how it ended was very interesting. So about like the last four hours of playtime, um, the robots decided that they didn't like being uh, the menial task labor people. Um, and they realized the researchers were about to uh, finish their research and just leave them there. They found plans to uh, finish building the um, secret airplane or spaceship, um, which they were going to take off with um, and go research other locations. They were going to travel around kind of like a caravan was how I was going to use them as was as a caravan group that the six of them would just fly off, leave the drones there to um, grow their stock of things to sell and to trade. Um, and then the six people would fly off and go research the rest of the planet, um, at least the continent that they landed on. I haven't do trading and stuff like that because I haven't really delved too deep into the whole caravanning system um, because it doesn't interest me for whatever reason. Um, so the robots found those plans and were plotting their revenge, right? Um, and I have I have like an underground area where they were growing um, drugs because they were wanted to they wanted to research drugs or whatever but it was during the winter so they had to do it inside and so two of the bots you know were in there working on the drugs and then you know they were angry and one of them um i don't remember what they were doing they were building something and then um random event from randy random uh, one of the heaters exploded which started a fire obviously because there's crops growing in there and it's in a cave so there's no ventilation so it super heats in there it's like 200 degrees celsius or something ridiculous and the robots are on fire and then running away back towards the exit and mind you this is this is during december which is the coldest part of the thing it's 100 it's like 60 negative 60 degrees celsius out there um so you can't go outside but the robots obviously can they're fine so they were just trying to get out but they were on fire so they were running through the building catching everything on fire on their way out and so the researchers um decided that you know we should probably take care of this fire. Um, number one priority is not let things burn down and not die from not being in a hospital bed. Those are the number one priorities. So they rush in there to put out the fire 
but then they found out all the fire extinguishers never got built. The crafting robots just never built them. They didn't prioritize building the fire extinguishers, which is like the main important thing. So, you know, the fire foam um, tech that you can build, those already went off, but the, because the robots were still running around on fire, um, it spread the fire faster than the uh, foam could actually depress the fire, which really sucked. Um, and then, yeah, so everything was on fire and then all, all six of the researchers were running around, but ran like they would run to the fire to put it out. And then they're on fire running towards the door. But as soon as they got outside, I was like, oh, it's too cold. I can't go out there. And they run back inside. So, you know, the logic of the colonists, like in-game actual logic, the code logic, uh, wouldn't allow them to go outside to not be on fire or to go inside and be at 200 plus degrees Celsius temperature and just basically melt their faces off. So my entire base just caught on fire and um, exploded in a fiery ball of doom um, <laughs> right as I was about to get to the next part of the game. So that's what I did in RimWorld. Um, so that, that was a good time. I, I, I thought it was funny. And then I started a new group. I haven't really decided exactly what they're going to do. Um, I have called their colony not drug dealers <laughs> and their base totally not a drug lab um, because that's all they're going to do is just um, build drugs and... Just see how long I can survive, and I'm gonna use the drugs as the caravanning material of choice um, to go around and trade and stuff because nobody gets angry about that. Nobody gets angry when you have drugs, right? <laughs> so, I did some RimWorld, about 80 hours of that. Um, I played a little bit of the big team battle, which I think I already talked about that on Monday. So, um, it was a good time. I enjoyed it. I thought it was a good map. Um, people were iffy on it, but I, I liked the new map. So, that was hype. But, what did I plan on filling the rest of the video out on? Well, as we have already mentioned, um, you know, my updates on buying an iPad, that's still going to happen, um, but it is now getting closer to being an actual thing because I just got an email from the one and only Verizon.com and they have this very spicy deal on their website. Online only, unlimited plan deal only. You can get an iPhone 12 mini 64 gigabyte if you buy their unlimited plan, which is $80. You get a whole bunch of extra perks, you know, nationwide, 5G, um, unlimited call text, all that data nonsense. Um, and in my area, it is the fastest thing, so best one to get. Um, and then, of course, you have, uh, I think there's Disney Plus, Hulu Plus, some Discovery Plus. Um, Apple something, Apple Music subscription for like three months or whatever. I don't remember all of the other perks. But there's a lot of nice, nice little stuff. But it's only $80 a month for all of that. And you get a free phone. Um, so it is the 12 mini, which, you know, I talked about. I really like the small form factor. And uh, by getting the small form factor, it um, makes more sense to have a larger size tablet to consume, um, you know, like full screen media. So... All that to be said, I was talking about, you know, the Z Fold 3, wanted to do that. Um, but instead, I could also do this deal with Verizon, which would be really spicy. Um, get the smaller phone and then allow me to buy a larger iPad for about $500. Think about that. That's a nice little deal, huh? So thinking about that, I'm thinking about doing it. Um, I'm going to mull it over the weekend. Um, and if the deal is still on Monday or Tuesday, I think it's just online only, but I don't remember how long it's supposed to be. Um, so if I want to get the right color of phone, I need to pull the trigger on it sooner rather than later. But I'm thinking that's probably what I'm going to do. Um, and then buy an iPad around Black Friday 
and potentially sign up for the Apple Card by then. I might do it a month or two early because by then I'll have an actual credit score um, and they won't deny me. <laughs> so that might be an episode coming up where I sign up for the Apple Card. But that um, is an exciting idea that I have, which really leads me into uh, the main bulk of what I want to talk about today, which is how I've changed my phone. Um, and I did talk about it in a previous episode. Again, I think it's probably the same one I was talking about, the iPad and the Z Fold 3, but interfacing with your phone differently. So I've had this idea for a little while, um, and then I, I watched a video. Um, it's actually right here. How to use Reminders app on iPhone efficiently, parentheses, minimalist approach. And that's by Dalton Dalton Mabury, or Maybury, depending on how he wants to say his name. Um, it was a short little five-minute video about um, how he hates the friction of the Reminders app and then just decided to have Siri do it by voice instead, which was really dumb. It was kind of a lame video. No offense to you, my guy, but I didn't necessarily waste my five minutes because I used that idea and took it a step farther. So I was thinking I, want to I like using my more phone. of my phone so I'd have to use my phone less. <laughs> if that makes any sense. I like using my phone but I want to automate it so I use it less. So the first thing that I did to do that was um, Apple, if you're on iOS 15, you can now um, hide all of your home screens. Um, I think you have to have one enabled. Um, your home home screen has to be enabled. So what I did was I just unenabled all the other ones in case I didn't like this, it's just an experiment. Um, so I unenabled all, the, all of the home screens that actually had the icons and any widgets completely wiped all that out i didn't delete them i just have them hidden because the new focus mode allow you to hide and show them um, by default i just have them off um and then in my um i guess it's technically the um navigation bar i don't know exactly what you call it but the four apps you can have at the bottom of your phone i only have three of them um, the call option, you know, the call, the default call, the default messaging app, iMessage, and then I have Bitwarden in the middle because I do use my passwords a lot. I'm not in the app for a long amount of time, but it is one of the most on pickup opened apps that I use. That one in Overcast because of my podcast choice. That's the app of choice for my podcast, sorry. Um, so those are the two most opened apps. So I figured um, why well, have the friction of opening my phone and then swiping somewhere um, to open that every time. I decided just cut that out and put it on the front, right there front and center, right in the middle of where my thumb goes on the screen so that I get to it easily. Um, so that's what I have only on my main screen. Um, and then as well, I do have issue with blue light um, ever since I started working at the bank. Well, actually, really it was before the bank. Um, I would say my sophomore year of college when I really dug deep into, um, you know, doing things on computers um, daily, um, working on homework, working on servers and um, websites and things like that, staring at a blue light um, on a white background really hurts your eyes and it's not healthy to be in front of it for more than eight hours, less than eight hours a day. She really don't have it four hours your day. But I use my phone for seven hours and then I'm on in front of a screen for about six. So that's way too much every day. Um, and so my eyes are very sensitive to blue light now. So I have blue light glasses, but I don't like to wear them, especially when I'm wearing them all day at work already. Um, it does kind of bother me still. I'm not used to wearing glasses constantly. So on my phone, I have the night shift as, uh, you know, that's a good app to have. 
that's not an app it's built into ios but i have night shift set for um, it turns on until sunrise and then it's off all day um because while i'm at work it's the sun is up and i already have my glasses on and then i really only see it for like an hour and a half at night because you know sunset's about seven here so it's not too bad um and then i have dark mode same thing it's um turned on at sunset turns off at uh, sunrise so and then i have a dynamic background that changes as well it's also another built-in thing with the iphone um they have dynamic backgrounds it's very nice so it's a nice vibrant bright daylight scene and then at night it's uh purple and dark blue tones so it looks very nice and clean um and then i don't have to again i don't have to click the buttons to enable and disable them um every time i feel like it and then on if you you know you swipe left you have your originally it used to be widgets if you're on an old phone now it's just kind of a bar that nobody uses because you can put widgets on your home screen but what I have there is the top option of notes or reminders um, which because of the video I have it up top I do use reminders quite a bit anyways um, and then next to that I have the two apps that I opened the most which are audible and overcast which audible if you don't know is the book um, cornucopia for audiobooks um, I think is the word for it but I listen to a lot of audiobooks um, overcast like I said is the podcast app that I use and then I have some smaller things. The, all of this you can see on half a scroll. Like I only need to scroll halfway down on this list to see everything. Um, I have the sub count for my YouTube channel, which is 86 subscribers. Thank you guys for sticking around without any uploads for like nine months now. But And then I have Overdrop, which is the... Um, I don't like the app itself. It's not very accurate for the most part. It's within, it's within about five degrees, but it doesn't update as quickly as... Um, carrot weather app or even the default weather app which just got an update in ios 15 and i really like it however overdraw or yeah overdrops um widgets are they look the nicest they're very simple very clean and i like them the most so i have that widget in here full screen so i can see um the temperature in its uh graph um per every two hours and then in the top right it has the accurate current and the highest and lowest temps um, then on the left, it has your location, you know, the part of cloudy, sunny, all that information. It looks very nice. And at the very bottom, I have the Google Calendar, which is where I keep all of my daily, um, you know, normal things. Like today's date, we are doing dinner and we're doing um, this or today's payday or, um, you know, a couple weeks to Tim Broach's birthday, things like that. Um, that's what's on there. So that's what I have there. And if you swipe right, as you know, when I was 14 onward, there is the app library, which that's where I go for my most opened apps because the first three in each folder, you can just click and open. So it's very frictionless to just swipe over and then click. But if I'm looking for something more specific, especially in um, a native iOS app, such as the settings, I will just do the swipe down, not from the top because that opens your notification center, but just on the screen, if you swipe, swipe from the top down, um, it brings open uh, Siri suggestion and Siri search, which is an amazing tool. Siri search is godlike. Um, almost as good as using the voice um, Siri. Um, not as good because voice recognition is still pretty jank for me because I don't pronounce things correctly. Um, so it doesn't work very well for me, but using Siri search is actually really helpful. Um, and so that's the inspiration of the using the reminders app on the iPhone efficiently. The minimalist approach, which actually, in my opinion, is minimalist approaches to just not have any apps. 
and use your phone's searching capabilities. And since it does now, actually, almost all of Siri is done locally now on the device. It's now processed locally instead of has to go to a server back. So less lag time, less information being sent to Apple um, directly. Obviously, they still skim your phone, but not when you're immediately searching, which is nice. Um, so that's really wanted, what I wanted to talk about is the reducing the friction. Um, I think this is an interesting experiment. I'll talk to you again next week on how it actually goes. I just started this on Thursday. Um, I did it um, late Thursday. I decided I was going to do it because I knew that Friday was the most. Um, I used my phone the most on Fridays and Mondays um, because those are the slowest days at work. So. Well, Friday is a very busy day, but people are too focused on just getting things done and not worried about complaining about stuff. And then Mondays, everybody's just getting in and getting ready for the week um, and making sure they have all of their ducks in a row before they start doing anything. So those two days, people don't complain about issues and not a lot of things go wrong on those days for whatever reason. <laughs> so those are the days that I'm on my phone the most, researching, looking things up, um, moving around between podcasts and YouTube videos, stuff like that. So... I figured it was a good test case to do it over the weekend. Um, started on a Thursday, so that I had an all day on Friday, and it was set up and ready to go. Um, so far, I really like the experiment. Um, I'm actually going to look right now. I'm going to compare Friday to last Friday on my um, screen time. Uh, so let's just search screen time here in the settings app. Um, let's look here. We want to go into this guy, see all activity today. Um, today we actually did average seven hours. Um, and it says we're up 20% from last week. Um, however, we're going to look at it and it shows six hours of being on YouTube. Um, oh, I'm still looking at week. Here we go. Seven hours and 59 minutes, which my average is actually, uh, quite a bit higher. So... Let's see here. I'm looking at about two hours informational. Yeah, about an hour and a half on um, Reddit and then about another hour on YouTube. It's not bad. And then Overcast, Safari, Amazon, and Twitter. Really good. Those are all less than 20 minutes. Um, so, yeah, that is, yeah, almost eight hours, which is pretty good. Um, but we're going to look at last Friday's. Um, we were actually uh, an hour under. But again, YouTube and Overcast are the same, and Discord and Apollo are a little bit lower. Um, I don't remember what was happening last Friday. Um, I can't think of what date that was, but October 1st, sorry, that's when it was. <laughs> so I don't know what was going on at work. Um, my guess is I didn't have, I didn't have a good YouTube video to watch, is probably what it was, and I wasn't on Reddit as much researching. Um, I've been researching Pop OS um, because of Linus's video about switching to linux it was actually um the podcast him and uh, what's his name do the wan show um so i was watching that and they're talking about doing uh linux only they're moving from windows so i was researching to pop os because it's really cool i actually have it set up and i'm going to actually configure that tonight um on my old laptop so we'll see how that goes as well i'll do a video on that or podcast on that in the future um so yeah it's not the metrics aren't any better However, um, it's only active on screen time. So I listened, probably listened to more podcasts um, and audiobook on Friday than I did YouTube um, or to research things. So not 100%, like you can't guarantee those. I could look at battery, but I haven't really like, 
I haven't already done that metric myself, so I don't want to do that live and <laughs> try and interpret it live, if that makes any sense. Um, so, so far, I like the experiment. I think that it's um, going to be better for me uh, because, like I said, I, I like using my phone, but I want to be able to automate things to not to keep me off my phone. Um, so, setting up reminders and setting up Siri notifications for whenever somebody texts me or somebody says things, I get the haptic feedback from my watch and my AirPods. Um, and so those having Siri talk to me about those things using Siri as like almost like a pseudo Friday or a pseudo Jarvis kind of deal. Um, and then only using the phone to interface with Siri directly. So using the Siri search, um, which then allows Siri to better suggest things instead of just opening the app on my own. Siri can only pick up the data of when the app was open and what location I'm at. Um, but if I'm using search, it can tell, um, obviously the time of day that I'm searching, but then it can also tell, like if I search Snap, it knows Snapchat. Not when I search Snap, it's not gonna try and open the camera app, it's not gonna try and send me a um, Safari search result, it's not gonna send me a settings for Snapchat, it's gonna just give me you want to go into Snapchat first. So giving Siri some more material to work on its algorithm to better itself is helpful. Um, and to understand context of times of days, locations that I'm at, because it already has that information anyway, so I might as well use it to my advantage. So like if I'm using, um, say if I just search restaurant, um, it's going to try and open um, DoorDash or Uber Eats or the McDonald's app, things like that. It's gonna try and open those or try and open websites to them if I'm at home. But when I start going out to places, it's gonna know that I usually want to open my uh, Maps app, you know, Apple Maps. It wants to know, it knows that I like to open that app and use that search engine to find restaurants near me instead of trying to, to do a Google search and get a uh, generalized zip code search. It's gonna use a more localized um, search result. So using that to my advantage is the idea of why I'm doing this. And we'll see how that goes. I think we're going somewhere, I don't know if we're gonna go out this week or not, but I know we're gonna probably head to St. Louis again at the end of the month for Ambrosia's birthday. So hopefully by then I'll have it nice and trained to do a pretty good job on searching things like that. Um, but with that being said, you know, it's been 34 minutes. I have covered pretty much what I wanted to discuss on using my phone. Um, and like I said, that's gonna improve even more once I get the smaller phone because I'm gonna have less phone real estate anyways and it's gonna feel even more cluttered to have all of those app icons on the screen and I'm swiping around in them. So by the time I get to that smaller phone, being able to just effortlessly just continue using Siri search without needing to confine myself to that smaller form factor. Um, so reducing resistance. And then also again, by that time, having the larger screen for media will be fantastic because I've, I've been needing that for a while. The XR is a little bit too small to watch, especially higher resolution uh, content or things that are ultra wide or aren't full screened completely. They have the bars on top and bottom. Their aspect ratio is a lot tighter. Think like 24 by nine instead of 16 by nine um, or 23, I think is technically the one you, the one you want or 21 by nine even. Um, but anyways, 
those resolutions don't go as well, or aspect ratio, sorry, don't go as well on the XR, and would be even worse on the 12 mini. So having that larger iPad will be a lot better. Um, so to close that out, since I'm already talking about videos anyways, um, I will probably have better thoughts on Star Wars Visions come next week once I finish it this weekend. I'm on six of nine. Um, so I have three more to go. I'm going to finish that out. Let me just say, um, I don't watch anime. I'm not too deep into the culture, but having a Star Wars anime is God tier. Um, I think that the source material is by far unexplored, at least in traditional Western, um, anime that we watch. It's not, we haven't dove into the sci-fi soap space opera, um, genre. I know in Japan they have Sailor Moon and other things like that, which are kind of space-like. I don't really know. Again, I haven't done the research on all the anime. And I'm sure there are tons out there like Gundam and Transformers that are outer space stuff I don't even know about. But I think Star Wars can do well in the anime genre, um, and especially with these an anime studios from Japan and Korea and China um, and anywhere else. I'm not sure. Probably Venezuela, Vietnam. I don't know. <laughs> um, India. But those guys they're doing great work over there with star wars visions i highly rate the show it's great um so i'm gonna watch that i'm gonna finish it and then i'm probably going to start both invincible and jujitsu kaisen um because they are newer um and because they are short because i know that there is some marvel tv show and some more star wars tv show like book of boba and hawkeye those are both coming out um by december so i'm going to get those done um, the two animes I want to get done before that happens, so I'm not watching multiple things at once. So, some minor uh, film watching has been occurring. Um, so I'll let you know my thoughts on Visions probably next week or the week after, and then at some point I'll talk about Invincible um, and Jujutsu Kaisen. Because I've heard good things about those as well. Um, and those are uh, Invincible is an American anime, I believe. I believe it's American studio, so it's not anime per se, but it is Americanized anime. Um, and then Jujutsu Kaisen, if I'm not mistaken, is Japanese anime, so it's gonna be hype. But I could be mistaken, and it might be Korean. I'm not sure. I'm gonna watch it, and I'll get that information. And then once I have the full comprehension of it, I will talk about it on the podcast. So expect spoilers for all three of those shows here soon. <laughs> But with that being said, um, I do appreciate you guys coming and listening. Um, hope you're having a good week. Um, I can't think of any news that's happening, but if it does, I'll make a video tomorrow about it. Um, and that'll go up. It might be a special video. You might get a special not Monday episode. We'll see. Um, but thank you guys for being here. Have a wonderful evening. Have a great morning. Um, enjoy your afternoon tea, whatever you're doing. Have a good one. Bye, guys.